This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm not proud of myself this week, guys, because I actually snapped at trolls. Do you know what? I feel like as a mom, there is so much judgment not just online but offline and it's weird isn't it like I don't really know where the judgment and competition comes from I don't know if it's because we're all so sleep deprived or that we all like know feel so in tune with our own babies that if someone does it differently or or if it's that we literally have no fucking idea what we're doing so then if someone's doing it differently we go into defense mode but I've just never experienced anything like it since I was a mum, which is weird because I've also never experienced like a sisterhood and a community and a, a kind of like band of women like I have. So it's this it's this weird thing. And obviously having a an online presence, you're always going to get trolls. And I feel like I'm pretty good. I've learned over the years. I am like the ultimate people pleaser. Like if someone doesn't like me, I used to literally, it used to haunt me. Even if I didn't particularly like that person, (laughs) that didn't matter. So I feel like I've grown a much thicker skin in my time online. However, this week I did snap. I fed the trolls. But do you know what it is? I feel like there's this constant narrative whenever I'm breastfeeding which let's be honest, if you're feeding a child, regardless of how you do it, it's a lot, isn't it? Like you're constantly feeding. I don't know um, if breastfeeding, you're feeding even more. I don't know. Maybe I've just got a hungry baby, but I feel like I'm feeding every couple of hours, 24 hours a day. Alf is obviously up. He's next to me. We co-sleep still. Um, do you know what? Hats off to anyone who doesn't co-sleep. I don't know how you do it. Like if, if I wasn't right next to Alf with my boob ready to go in his mouth at any time of the night so I could kind of go straight back to sleep, I honestly don't like hats off to people who don't co-sleep. But every time I breastfeed online, it's a very, it's not me making a point, right? It's like I'm feeding my child. I've got both my hands free. I'm on my phone. Normally, if he's asleep, then I'm trying to work or tidy or wash up. You guys know what it's like. So every time I feel like I'm feeding, there's always one or two comments and I've always let them slide. 
But like this week, there's just been like a flurry of them. And I don't know if it's because I feel a bit down in the dumps in general because of the weather, because of the news. I don't know. But they like really got to me and I felt the need to like really like fight back and defend myself. And do you know what it is? I think it's like so disappointing when it comes from someone that is a female and that I see in their profile that they've got daughters because I'm like, oh, no, like number one, you're like you're trolling you're trolling another woman. Like, how would you feel if your daughters were being trolled? And number two, like, I've got boobs. Like, so some of the comments I get is like, do you think that you would show yourself feeding out so much if it was a bottle? And it's like, I don't know, probably if that, if that was a time, like, I've not thought about it because it's just my experience. Number two, like you're attention seeking because you have boo, like, because you're breastfeeding and that, do you know what? I feel like ever since I was 13 years old, I was a 30 double G at the age of 13. And I've constantly had comments about my boobs, being told to change my outfits, not to distract the teachers. I remember the boys used to ping my bra strap and try to get it open. And obviously we wore, well, not obviously, but we wore white shirts and it was terrifying. So, and if I'd scream, I'd always be the one in trouble for seeking attention. So I feel like this experience isn't new to breastfeeding it's like it seems like an ongoing issue about boobs big boobs in society and I always find like the topic of like breastfeeding quite like a sensitive one I feel like I reference my sister all the time but obviously she's like the closest person in my life and uh, is going through motherhood at the same time as me but she really really like tried to breastfeed for a good long time and now she's bottle feeding like that was the right decision for her and her baby. Like I, I'm not here to say, you know, to argue fed is best, breast is best. Like, honestly, it's motherhood is so hard. Like whatever people choose to do, as long as it's an empowered choice and it wasn't something that was taken away from them, like it's no one's business. But it makes me really like question myself. Like, am I, I oh, am I showing breastfeeding too much? But I genuinely don't like sit there and make a point um, and then I think like, oh, maybe I should make a point to not go on stories or to not post if I'm breastfeeding. But sometimes it's genuinely the only way I get to take a picture because if Alf's on the boob and then I know that I have to rush straight out after, or if I've booked a photographer for let's say an hour and Alf is feeding in 45 minutes of that time, I either take the pictures or I don't. Um, so I don't know. I just thought it was quite an interesting topic of conversation even though it probably does sound like I've just come straight into a rant but um I I guess I want to like explore that kind of like judgment and comparison I I think I've mentioned on here before but I, I I was living in southwest London and we moved a few months ago to Essex which by the way is it's just amazing like I'm so happy we made the move I feel I was ready to move a bit further out of London I love Essex the people are so friendly we're nearer to Tommy's parents um it's great but I have felt quite lonely with the move because a lot of my friends are still on the other side of London and I feel like I look forward to making friends here because I know it's such a like sociable happy place I guess my world is currently very very much about being a mum and very much around Alf because you know he's not at nursery he's not at school so it does feel like my world has been consumed by Alf that sometimes I genuinely don't know if I have anything else to talk about anymore I felt like before I was a mum I was so judgmental of people who just talk about their kids and I'd be like oh my god if I'm a mum I will not just talk about my kid and now I'm like I have nothing else I have nothing else to talk about um 
But it means that when I go to classes and all of these things, the, co- the t- topic of conversation is kind of always around the babies. And I'm guilty of it as well. I'll be like, oh, how old is he? Or how old is she? And oh, wow, they're crawling. That's amazing. And um, I do feel like there is a sort of like judgment over your child's development stage because I don't really know you know, what kids are meant to be doing by what age, because I don't really believe in it. I feel like they just all develop in their own time. But sometimes I come away like, oh God, should Alf be crawling? <laughs> Is he lazy? Like, I, I, I was a lockdown mum with only Alf to draw comparison from, feeling like my child was like, you know, the next Olympic athlete. And now I'm like, oh my God, he doesn't even, he doesn't even crawl, what? Um, so... I have a brilliant guest today who is slightly further ahead in uh, the mum timeline to me. Her daughter, Ottilie, is almost two. And she's someone I've known for a while, um, from pre-mum days. She is an English soprano, a classical popular crossover singer who performs classical and operatic music, popular songs, musical theatre and folk songs. Um, And interestingly, she also hosts the Mum Club East Suffolk, which uh, connects women who happen to have children So I just thought she'd be such a brilliant guest for today. It is the amazing Laura Wright. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to chat to us. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to hear your voice and and have a catch up. I know it is nice to be able to like catch up even if it's this way. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've all got quite used to it, haven't we, in recent months. So it feels quite normal now. (laughs) Yeah. And do you know what it is? I feel like sometimes you forget to actually properly catch up because you follow each other's lives on online, whether that's, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be. Yeah, completely. And I think you also people that I've been working with over the last two years who I haven't actually met, I then meet in person for the first time. And I feel like I do know them. But you're right, there's you can't ever beat that face to face getting to know someone or having a yeah, proper catch up where you just waffle away and, and get to know each other all over again, I feel like. I feel like getting to know someone is quite a good, um, quite a good starting point for the conversation. Did you find that your circles changed much when you first had Ottilie and how are you finding it now that you've just moved house like have you found it easy to meet other people and are they kind of I was going to say just parents but obviously we are so much more than just parents or um yeah have you yeah have you have you managed to kind of like branch out and feel a bit less lonely in your new place yeah I think when I had Ottilie she arrived um three weeks early and so we spent a little bit of time in hospital she was jaundice and um actually I was quite grateful for that because it almost gave me time where there were uh, a lot of midwives around a lot of other new brand new mums um all there for different reasons but gave me a little bit of a sort of chance to get used to you know how my new life was going to be and what had changed and what was going on with my body most of all I think um and then when son is settling in at home yeah I think actually my social circles just disappeared a bit I always had one uh, friend of mine Liz who's you know my best friend and I our voice notes are now at the length where it's just quite ridiculous because <laughs> we we talk so much but I also thank you know thank WhatsApp for voice notes because I feel like she was my kind of shining light in all of that and I think you do find your people uh when you have any huge change in life you know in this instance becoming a mum um I just 
I just found her completely um, free of judgment and opinion. And that's what I wanted to find because I wanted to be able to talk openly about what I felt and how I was feeling and what was going on and to be able to ask all those questions, but without having to feel that I was fending off thousands of opinions um, from other people. So I think I actually almost deliberately, but without knowing it, kind of decreased my social circles, which... I think then over time, as you say, having moved house actually then does isolate you. Um, and you realize actually you need to, I felt, you know, I needed to actually push myself out of my comfort zone and to socialize again, um, not just for me, but for Ottilie. I think every stage, you know, that I've been through of being a mum so far um, is vastly different. And there are different priorities and different um, transitions that you go through so I think it's it's just such a learning curve all the time do you know what it's interesting isn't it because kind of what you were saying it's so great to have people who are sort of going through the same experiences at the same time as you but then like it's that weird balance of like I obviously want some people to kind of understand what I'm going through without the kind of judgment and you know to be supportive and understanding of that but then I also want to be known for like Ashley and not just like the mum so it's trying to find that like that kind of like combination of whether it's people or person where life and conversation doesn't just revolve around the kids. Do you, do you find that? Yeah, completely. And that's where for me, and this is going to sound like I'm speaking badly of NCT groups, but for me, we, we did that and we went along to our NCT group. But I found that as it got closer to the birth of my daughter, um, I was hearing about birth stories and um, so much information about uh their, their little ones that had just been born. And, and I didn't actually, yeah, I didn't want to focus on that. I found it really overwhelming. I found it made me feel more anxious. So that's why I distanced myself um, from that. And of course, I knew that we would be moving as well. So those sort of new new people that I'd met, I'd seen be moving away from. Um, and I felt it was a little bit of kind of a funny forced friendship. I know some people have a completely different experience. Um, and, and actually, they're friends with their NCT you know, group years down the line. But for me, that was not the case at all. Um, I just wanted sort of to be thrown lots of information and take that away from me. And I and I think since um, since we've moved, I've gone through, yeah, massively trying to find myself again, whether that's just being able to talk about, you know, for me, I love, I love talking about fashion with my mates. I love talking about music. That's my job. I love talking about gigs. And, and I, I don't want to certainly be talking about, you know, um, how many times my daughter's like done a wee that day or, or <laughs> what, what milk she's, you know, drinking or, or whatever it may be. Because I just think we're at a point where we're so progressive as a society. There are so many different options. You, you're never going to see eye to eye with everyone. Everyone has a different experience. So I think we need to be supportive of one another in that, but also just take the conversation away from that sometimes as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And do you know what? It's so interesting because I actually wondered if I um, regretted not doing NCT because during my pregnancy, I did find, I think a lot of my pregnancy I spent being like, I'm not going to be like the other mums. And, you know, since becoming a mum, I've realized that actually that was a lot of like my sort of um, deep rooted like in a misogyny or judgment or whatever it is about what it is to be a mum. And, you know, I was like, I don't wear maternity clothes because I love fashion as if every single mum before me was like not into fashion. And so I kind of like, kind of am now in this journey of motherhood where I'm like, oh my God, like mums are amazing, but also we need to be included in conversations around feminism and all of this stuff because actually I've never felt so sort of part of a gendered role 
Um, it does, you know, like you were saying, society is so progressive, but then it does also feel like a little bit dated in the expectations that we put on mothers and the way that we're expected to kind of, uh, what's the quote, like work as if we don't have children and have children as if we don't work. Um, And I wonder if that's where a lot of like the judgment and comparison comes from with, you know, between mothers where or between mothers and non-mothers where I feel like men don't sit around comparing and judging quite as much um so anyway sorry that was a bit of a tangent but I chose not to do NCT um and then I wondered since because so many of my friends did meet friends there if maybe I I wish I had but equally I felt like I was very much in like a very chilled out bubble in my pregnancy and you know it did kind of stress me out I went onto an app where it was um, <clears throat> to connect pregnant people. And it was very much like, my baby hasn't moved all day. Is that wrong? Is that normal? And I found it very like stressful energy. And I was like, oh, I, I think I need to protect myself from this actually, because that's not, I don't want to compare or judge, or I kind of just want to do my own thing and enjoy the journey. <laughs> and I think it's unsaid as well, isn't it? You know, I, I feel very much the same as uh, as you, but I know that I know that some other mums will find, you know, great support and relief and um and confidence from having those conversations and and thinking god oh, somewhere out, somewhere out there someone feels exactly the same as me has gone through the same thing, but I'm very similar to you in the sense that actually it gave me more anxiety than it did uh, build my confidence and and give me support. Um and I just think that when it comes to to finding those people, I think everyone's, as I said, everyone's journey is so unique. But also, you know, you're saying that you were in this lovely bubble of being pregnant. You you were pregnant during lockdown as well, which no one's ever experienced before. Actually, that is completely uncharted territory that that a lot of new mums have been in. So I think also what's what's positive from that is that you know your what you're doing now and talking about your experience is so good because this hasn't happened before so it's really important to to share your thoughts on that and and I think going back to the you know topic of of NCT and and I was saying to you earlier you know the the breastfeeding clinic we went to I found so dated so I think it's great that we're having these conversations now in the hope that things can move forward and we can find better ways of interacting with other people and also what you said about well not other people other mums in particular but what you said about you know work um you know work as if you don't have children etc that kind of thing I think that's a really important topic because I knew from the moment that I was pregnant, I knew I wanted to go back to work as soon as I could because I'm just, I'm very competitive and driven like that. And I also knew it would actually keep my balance um, in terms of how I was going to feel emotionally with having a child and those expectations that I set for myself. I knew I'd keep that balance in check if I knew that work for me was something that continued alongside. Um, Some people feel very, very differently, but for me, that was really important. Um, And I felt really guilty for feeling that way. I felt terrible for going and doing a gig when my daughter was really young, but but also in a, in a similar vein, my job is very unique in that sense, similar to yours, where you're working for quite a short space of time. So you can build being a mum around that and you can try and have support with that. But I, I did feel a lot of guilt when it came to saying, you know, that I would be doing that. And was that guilt that you put on yourself or that other people put on you? I think I wanted to be ready. So I put that guilt on myself because I don't know if I was ready when I did sort of step out and and do my first kind of concert 
And I mean, you know, for people who may be listening, who don't know what I do, I sing. And, and so I step up on stage and, and it is a very visual thing. So um, I think there's a, an added sort of pressure. And I certainly put a lot of that pressure on myself anyway, before becoming a mum. And then I think I had to sort of get my head around what was going on with my body, how my voice felt, which obviously is, you know, very much based around your breathing and, and how your body is anyway. Um, so I think there was a lot of different things going on there. But I would say that that was perhaps where I fell down a little bit because I didn't have that support network. If that makes sense. I, I'm the same, by the way, I wanted to get back to work and I'm grateful, um, you know, for all, for as much as I sometimes think, oh, I, oh, I would have loved to have had maternity leave. My my sister always says, you have to remember most of us have maternity leave, but I am actually like really grateful for work because I think it's like saved me mentally. But when you say like you're very competitive and so you wanted to go back, is that because you felt like if you didn't go back straight away that someone will come and replace you yes absolutely and I think that is one of the things that is still um there that should not be there in in my industry and I've heard so many musicians speak out about this recently that they were terrified to say that they were expecting a child they were terrified of losing work even though you know nothing would be affected it's you know we're talking even during pregnancy here and it's I, it does frustrate me that um, that's still the general opinion. You know what? I don't even think it's the music industry. I've spoken to friends who are like lawyers who work in marketing, who work in the beauty industry. I think it's just across the board, which I think is why it's so great that people are pushing for flexible working because that means that it's not just a woman, a mother issue. It will be, you know, parents in general and just everyone can have more flexibility and um, so whilst that doesn't affect our industry, because, you know, our, our work's pretty flexible anyway, it means that dads will now be able to do the school pickups and drop offs if they get to work flexibly around um, around things like that. So it's not just women who kind of are almost like suffer in their career for, for having children. Yeah. And the roles of a parent as well is so much more balanced and equal now, I think anyway. So, so fathers or partners want to play that role more, I feel as well, you know, that's, that's something that they feel they can contribute towards. So I think it's really important that, as you say, there'll be that flexibility moving forward. And I think there's, um, yeah, there's definitely this wave of uh, people who are fighting for that. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And I suppose that, that maybe that kind of negative stereotype of being a mum will will shift as well. You know, one that I've admitted that I had myself because I feel like very much, you know, sometimes when I I'm trying to get like DJ bookings, people will be like, oh, maybe you should post some more music stuff on your Instagram because you do just look like a mum. And I'm like, but but I am a mum, but I also have the same talent and experience that I had when I wasn't a mum. <laughs> and I think something that I've learned as well is you learn how to be incredibly efficient. And actually, the time that you do have when you are working, you work really fucking hard. Like you, you, you know that this is um, you, your time. It becomes so much more precious that you value the work you get to do. And I think you become a better person when you're working because, just as you said, you know, really grateful for that work, and and you know that you've got to be so passionate about something for it to tend to take you away from from your child, especially at a young age. You've got to really want to do that. 
And so I think you learn to sort of compartmentalize, but also just be super efficient when it comes to your sort of working hours, whatever they may be. So I actually see it as, you know, there's some real positives from that. And I also just should say as well, I was exactly the same as you when you were like, you know, I'm not going to be like other moms. It's so funny. I think the tricks that your mind plays on you where you just fall down those potholes of stigmas and expectations and things like that. And, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, even being like, oh my God, look at those mums on their phones in the playground. Like when I have a kid, I'm never going to be on my phone. And it's like, they're going to be on their phone because they're trying to like work. They're trying to do... They're trying to, they're trying to like book activities. They're trying to book or like, yeah, exactly. They're trying to respond to an email. Yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to A to Z of Men, a brand new podcast that helps explain, well, men. Each week, myself, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. We take on a different letter of the alphabet. What? In order? Yeah, in order. We will find a word that best describes men that starts with that letter. So it's basically like a guide. Like a guide, yeah, that's correct. This will really help me explain myself to the wife. We tackle topics such as mental health, stereotypes, and stupid things us men do. Don't forget sex. Oh, and sex. So join us each Wednesday as we create the A to Z of men. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast. Just search for A to Z of men. Rewinding a little bit, you mentioned that you did a a breastfeeding um, 
course or something and you felt it was very um, dated. Do you mind me asking more about that? Yeah, so part of the NCT course, there were two sort of um, mornings, if you like, where it was a breastfeeding clinic and, um, you know, just if everyone was welcome to go along, whether that was part of their their journey or not. Um, And I think all of us go into having a child hoping to be able to have that experience of breastfeeding but you never really know like I said NCT for me was arming myself with as much information as possible so that I could go into childbirth and the fourth trimester and further on just knowing as much as I could um and yeah and I kind of went along to this breastfeeding clinic and Harry and I were there and I just we sort of sat there with this you know it was like a VHS for goodness sake it wasn't it was a video like that that's how old school we're talking and the approach just made it look so kind of uh so angelic and so kind of and and I I don't mean that in a necessarily in a bad way I just for me it just felt very dated and and the even the sort of language used was also still very much like so when this happens, you will, this will be your journey and, and you will then breastfeed. And it's like, well, hang on. I thought this was going to be a conversation about all the things that could come into this. And also more importantly, more than in fact, for me as well, now having had a child and the experience that I had more than the breastfeeding for the baby, but more about what on earth goes on with your body when your milk comes in, for example, that was the worst day of my life, emotionally, hormonally. I, I honestly will never forget that feeling of just not having an answer and not knowing what was going on and feeling like I was failing because I just didn't understand and so I felt like that's what should have been talked about as well as the physicalities of breastfeeding because regardless of if you do or you don't your body hormonally will change and things will happen so that for me was really frustrating. God, I remember the day my milk came in and it was so painful, like the block milk ducts and obviously the frustration because you're trying to feed and the milk's not really there and you don't even know if you can breastfeed and you've heard all these different stories. And um, Tommy's parents were with us because um, you, you at the time it was lockdown, but you were allowed a childcare bubble. And I think they came on day three. Yes, yeah, so literally the day. Tommy's mum used to be a nurse and I was in so much pain that I was like, please, can you come into the bedroom with me and help? And I was literally topless while she was like combing my boobs. And Tom walked in being like, what the hell is going on? And I was like, honestly, I don't care. It just feels so nice to have someone help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still every now and then is like, I can't believe my mum combed your boobs. <laughs> I was like, it's the best day of my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, do you know what? It's those funny, in hindsight, obviously, you know, those kind of bizarre, funny memories that you'll laugh at together as well. You know, it brings back that sort of memory and when you do have hardship or you do have a struggle or a shift or a change in life you know you think about those things and you think oh we we kind of got through all all of that together I think that's always really nice as well I think childbirth as an experience for whoever you experience that with is something that just will last a lifetime and I don't actually know your feeding journey but um did you breastfeed and if so for how long and and um, the reason I asked the question is because um, I wanted to know if you ever experienced judgment around your feeding choices. Um, yeah, so I breastfeed, I breastfed for six months um, and that wasn't a choice that I made, you know, um, in advance. I just got to the point where it wasn't, um, I don't think it was that enjoyable for me anymore because I wanted to be able to perhaps 
do a bit more with my singing, which meant I would be away from Ottilie um, for a little bit too long to sort of carry on. And I'd, I'd been quite organized um, in terms of storage and, and working really hard. And it, it was quite hard work for me to breastfeed. But again, I think my competitive nature came into play there where I really wanted to do that. I think that was, again, a, a judgment I put on myself, an expectation. I definitely experienced um, some weird experiences of public breastfeeding where there were sort of some nods of disapproval. Really? Yeah, which, which really, <laughs> so really hurt me, actually but also I would quite often go over and say can I help you is there anything that you want to say what were the experiences if you don't mind because I actually haven't experienced public um shame shaming but maybe that's because it was mainly lockdown (laughs) I think um it was you know just during that process of being in say a cafe or public place that for some reason it in their eyes wasn't deemed appropriate um which to me is just absolutely bizarre did they say anything or was it tuts or was it yeah tuts and staring and you know sort of nodding their heads and sort of you know like oh what what are you doing like why would you do that here you know and I think that's where I would, I'm someone who would go, go over and say, you know, if you, if you want to have a conversation, please come and talk to me and I'll explain um, what's happening or, you know, what my feelings on this, because they're important as well as your, apparently your judgments. Um, so yeah, and I, I wouldn't say it was really bad, but I would say that that definitely affected my confidence with it. Um, yeah. Was it, was it men? Was it women? No, men and women. A lot of the time, older older couples I found were, you know, in general, it was never really anyone uh, who was a similar age to myself at all. Um, and in fact, you know, the looking at the opposite side of the spectrum, um, I remember one time, like I had my, I think I was like stuck in my top, basically trying to get my boob out. <laughs> you know how you can get tangled sometimes. <laughs> and um, one lady, a mum came over and helped me and, and you know, that, things like that as well. I think a lot of the things that happened to me that built my confidence of knowing that there's this kind of motherhood and real support network were things that happen that are unsaid that their actions as opposed to words that's that is really that is really interesting and it is it's such a shame that something that should be like really normal is still kind of met with judgment and disapproval but also I find it as well that for people who don't breastfeed you know they I feel like it's a really hard and controversial almost conversation to navigate because people do feel very strongly on one side or the other and people feel judgment for either breastfeeding or for bottle feeding. And, you know, it would be so nice if people could just support each other's choices. You know, often there are very complicated reasons behind someone's choice or decision. Um, And I think that it's very naive to judge those people without a better knowledge or understanding. Um, And that's where I think... I've learned that as I've got a little bit older, I think that we often, you know, face value. It's very easy to make a snap judgment. We do it all the time on social media. Um, We do it all the time, actually, in real life as well. And I just think we have to be careful about, you know, people have probably made a very measured and very thoughtful decision about breastfeeding or choices when it comes to their child, because their child is is their absolute world. So they're not going to take that decision lightly. And I respect anyone who you know makes that decision it's their journey and if they want to 
open up about that journey, I'm all ears, but I'm certainly not going to sit there and preach about it because, you know, I've had one child. I'd, it's, a, you know, it's a drop in the ocean. I think one of the beautiful things about um, my journey into motherhood is it's definitely made me less judgmental and more open-minded about everything in life because I feel like what you're saying is it, it's exactly spot on. And actually a lot of the things that I used to say, like when I'm a mum, if I'm a mum, I'm not going to do this. Or if I'm a mum, I would never do this. I'm like, oh my God, like I, I wish I could like go back in time and just say to the old me, like, shut up. Like you're actually being really cringy. Like what, or like, you know, some of the things I used to say to like my friends who were mums, I'm like now I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You must've thought I was like such a cringe bag being like, when I'm a mum, I'm never going to talk about, I'm not going to be one of those mums that just talks about my kids. And now I'm like, I have nothing else. <laughs> like what else is I to talk about? <laughs> Why do you think it is that there is, kind of like so much judgment or um, criticism around motherhood when I don't feel like there's so much around between dads? Um, I think, well, it, it, it stems from traditional traditional roles, doesn't it? And I also think that part of it is, you know, I think as women, we can be quite intimidating, can't we? Because we've sort of shown that we can be mothers and we can be businesswomen and we actually as I've said I feel that one actually can enhance the other as well as you say you've become more open to people's journeys and less judgmental and you know you, you you've become a better person if you like and I certainly feel the same and I think that's where you know those are things that you can't experience until it happens to you you know what though Ashley I think you're amazing for becoming a mum being pregnant during lockdown like I can't genuinely I can't imagine what that must have been like and times where you must have felt so lonely and I think that what you've done on social media by being so open about everything is it takes great strength of character and I think that it's amazing and I think this is fantastic what you're doing as well so you know from a from a pandemic has come something that you're doing that's really positive do you know what when people say oh it must have been so hard to be a mum in, in and pregnant in the pandemic and obviously I don't know any differently so maybe if I'm ever in the situation again then I can I can probably compare but I actually I took a lot of positives from it like the fact that Tommy was working from home rather in the in the office or you know that I feel like there's always um kind of pros and cons but I think it was more after that newborn stage that I feel very different and I feel a bit more lonely because I think I think you know take motherhood pregnancy all of that out of the equation every single person's life has changed so much with this pandemic and so kind of add motherhood, pregnancy, you know, these huge life-changing things anyway, it does feel almost like, I don't want to say catastrophic because that sounds just negative, but what's the word? What, what is the word? Colossal? No. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Everyone's been changed. Yeah, everyone's been permanently changed. And so I feel like it was more like post-lockdown or maybe once I've got to that four-month mark when I, it kind of dawned on me like, wow, my life is so different and I I probably did like miss out on the kind of you know the clubs that you go to where maybe you would like meet people organically who are kind of like your tribe but you know moving house and this is something I, I'd love to speak to you about because now I've I've started taking off to baby swim I need to kind of find some other classes but I feel like 
I go to those things and it's about ALF. And even if I chat to people, it's about their kids. And I sort of feel I don't really um, pay much attention personally to milestones. Um, You know, ALF has got four teeth. I don't know if that's meant to be considered advanced or not. He talks a tiny bit, but not really words, just, you know, babble. But I don't know if that's good or bad for his age. He doesn't walk. He barely crawl, like he doesn't crawl. So, and it's only when I go to those things, it seems like all the topic of conversation is around the children. And I think I'm guilty of that as well. So it kind of, as, as great as it is to go to those classes, it feels very much that the mother or fathers are invisible because all of the energy is on the children so firstly what's important with what you said is that you know after that fourth trimester and then maybe a little bit further on like that when you said when alf was about four months um we we don't have a timeline or a guy a guidance from that point forwards i think that's why it's sort of like you know you have your midwife visit your health visitor and that's like right off you go we don't see you again until your child's two so you're sort of left to your own devices then and i think there's a very sort of clear plan for how things should progress up until that point and then it feels like you sort of drop off a cliff and and then you're like whoa okay my as you say my life has infinitely changed I'm a different person I don't quite know who that person is and all of the focus is on my child and I'm just trying to flap around in the water to stay afloat I was going to say and I think as well like my friend my my friends that I had before um you know I, I was single for six years I was DJing I was traveling around the world and as much as I'm still that person like I can't do what I was doing before. So, you know, a lot of my friends I love to death and they'll always be in my life, but I feel like we're almost like slightly different spaces because they don't want to come and sit with Alf or, you know, like it's just, it's just different or they don't know what to ask and I don't know what to ask them. And, and so it's like, you need that, like you need that, that kind of balance of, I don't want to talk about my child, but I also don't know what else to talk about. And I can only leave him for like a couple of hours as well. And whether, and whether you want to or not, um, in terms of who you're talking to, actually having someone so having someone who has had that experience is is undoubtedly it's an easier conversation. Um, and I'm the same. You know, I have a couple of my friends who have had um, babies a similar age. In fact, one friend who's had a baby at a similar age, a similar time to me. But the others, when we do meet up, yeah, there's definitely this sort of cavernous, awkward space when it comes to you know what we need to talk about. Um, is it you know who someone sort of went home with last night? Or is it whether, you know, Alf's got another tooth, like you say, it's, it's weird. And I think both, you know, both conversations can happen. But I think that's where um, I was saying to you, I started, I took on a franchise um, of the mum club. And I, after having very similar experience to what you've mentioned there, where I went to um, some lovely classes, don't get me wrong, like they're great. And what they're doing for your child is, you know, scientifically proven to be wonderful for their development. But you do just start talking about, you know, an utterly didn't walk um, until she was quite a bit older than most others. And it was sort of felt like you were in this um, egg and spoon race with other parents, you know, from the moment that that you start talking from the moment they're born of who's going to achieve more. And actually at those uh, groups that I went to, I was sort of sat there. I remember I was doing row, row, row the boat with her legs. And I just felt like absolute shit. I felt awful about myself. I felt so uh, I had no confidence. I felt like I had no self-worth and um, all of the focus was on Ottilie, which is what of course you want, but that doesn't mean that you don't deserve that time or focus yourself. And um, the, the mum club is, I so I host the events in Suffolk, Norfolk, where I live now. And 
the focus is very much on the mum. Of course, we have so we have um, mum and baby events mostly. Like our brunch clubs are super popular, and it's that's because it's exactly that. There's a play area, yes, but it's more importantly about maybe me holding someone's little baby and you actually having a really nice coffee, a really nice brunch, and being able to have a conversation about life in general. And the focus isn't on your child. I love that. Even the fact it's a brunch, so you know it's not going and playing in soft play with your baby it's like it's, no, it's actually not, doing no. something that we all kind of enjoy having brunch or I guess like wine nights or whatever it is yeah wine club wine club is wildly popular which obviously isn't a surprise <laughs> it's taking that time for yourself and as cheesy as it sounds you need to do it and I like that it says um a community for strong independent women who happen to have children I love that. It's so true, though. I think I needed that so much more than I realised. And I just thank the Lord for my friend who introduced me to it and made me experience that and realise that, it, you know, that time for yourself and to focus on you is paramount to them becoming, I think, or being the best mum that you can be at the end of the day. I love that. And it's a nice, it's a nice kind of uh, message to end on, like not to forget about yourself and kind of looking after after yourself. Um, before I let you go, <laughs> before I let you go, um, every week I get um, lots of amazing questions from you guys who listen. And um, I picked one this week from Ellie um, because I thought you might be able to help answer this, Laura, because I know that um, like fitness and being active is, is um, a big part of your life. So, Ellie got in touch via the email, which is askmumstheword at gmail.com. And she says, Hey, Ashley, love the podcast. Thanks for introducing me to the concept of matricense. Before having my baby, I was an avid runner. She's three months old now, and I'm still sore in places, but I th- but think I'm ready to get back to running. Do you think this is a good idea, or should I wait until I'm not hurting at all? Do you have advice there? Yeah, so I would say um, I I went for a run around that time as well too, Ellie. I went for a really short jog. I had very low minimal expectations of what to expect. And um, my pelvic floor definitely wasn't up to it. Um, but I also felt like I, when I needed to stop and walk, I walked. Um, obviously, if you've had medical advice that everything's fine and you've had, you know, your six week check and all that stuff, um, that's obviously an important little milestone to tick off for you physically. Um, but if running is something that you always did, your body will remember how to do that. And I would say just lower the expectations of what you did before and um, and, and get started um, getting outside and getting fresh air because it's just going to be the best thing for your mental health as well as your physical self I um I've I've always loved running and um I've made no secret of you know like my my childbirth recovery and the first time I went back to a run I think I was fully expecting to go back after six weeks and I was like still bleeding after six weeks but I remember saying I right I bought an out and about buggy and I was like oh now I can go running with Alf and I remember Martin, my pelvic health physio being like please don't go for a run before you come and see me um because and my pelvic floor was kind of still throbbing and she she was like yeah just be kind to yourself like remember that the pelvic floor is literally the hammock and you know it's it whilst it's great like there are gentle ways to get back into it as well so I feel like if it doesn't feel right get checked or seek medical advice but oh my god it, it is so nice like I, to be honest, I think I've run twice since Alf came, but um, I do have the out and about pram and 
um I do I do need to get back into it but I think I'm still a bit scared of my body yeah I think you're right though Ashley I think yeah it's important that if you can reach out to someone to check that and you know we don't really talk about it enough that the pelvic floor side of things regardless of what type of childbirth you've had as well maybe if you've had a a c-section you know that can take a really long time for those muscles to heal you know it's a cut through pure muscle that takes a long time for those things to to come back um so i think also it's about what does it mean to you to do physical exercise for ellie obviously it's really important to you it's really kind of something that matters to you and maybe that means that it affects your your mental health as well and so i think finding a compromise you know in in whichever way you can is really important there's so much stuff online now to work out um someone i would say who is brilliant is carly rowena she's a mum she does yeah she does like these free workout series you can join in a zoom class she's done one of our fitness events and she was very good with people who were you know quite new to fitness or quite early on post baby or pregnant so I think finding those people in your community that have had that experience the same as you is going to really help as well Um, and obviously wish you the best of luck Oh, that's such good advice. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out her workouts as well. She's um, great. She's brilliant. Good little nugget of wisdom. Um, if you guys have any questions you want me and my guests to answer, then um, please keep getting in touch by emailing askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com. or you can also leave it as a review on Apple Podcasts. And I have to say, whenever I'm having a bad day, I just go down the reviews. So thank you so much for all the lovely messages, the encouraging messages, the five-star ratings. It really helps. And um, if you are enjoying it, please hit the subscribe and follow button so you never miss an episode. Um, Obviously, the reviews help others to find us as well. So if you are enjoying it, keep spreading the news, tell another person and help us reach more people. Um, But thank you for listening to me, Ashley James, first time mum and Laura, thank you for being such a brilliant guest and uh, for giving up your precious time to chat to us as well. Oh, thank you for having me, Ashley. It's been really, really good fun. I feel like it started as a rant and now you've made me feel really good. (laughs) Always good. (laughs) Thank you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.